0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Far Better Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Clark, and we have another great opportunity to study God's Word together today. I have with me Brother Dan Cates. Dan is an instructor at the Memphis School of Preaching. He's been with us the last two episodes. He's going to be with us for two more. And Brother Dan, we mentioned that we would talk to the people more about the MOST program, in this episode, and then next week give a more in-depth look at the library and some of the happenings on how that came to be and what are some of the things that are in there now that were not in there a few years ago. And so uh, I'm going to go ahead and give Brother Dan the floor to talk about the MOST program here at the Memphis School of Preaching. So take it away.
1: All right. Uh, The MOST program uh, stands for MSOP, Ongoing Spiritual Training. It is what was years ago called the Third Year Program, originally designed for one who uh, was an alumnus of the school or in the area and just wanted to come by and take some classes to be able to add to the um, education which he had received during his two years. Uh, Over time, uh, some of those classes began to be uh, taken for credit Through different institutions. Um, I don't know know, what institutions might specifically accept those today. We don't have any working deals uh, with any institutions, but just as they take some of the two-year hours, uh, they may take some of the most hours as well if you talk to them and then have them get in touch with us. Uh, Because one of the teachers in many of the most classes has been brother mosier and he has a doctorate degree you know that that says a lot concerning the school and it also uh, is very attractive for uh schools that are considering right accepting some credits but anyway regardless the uh, most program today is basically there for three purposes uh number one anybody anywhere in the world at any time who has either internet access or can physically be here for the live classes here can take them. Most classes just audit them. Enjoy uh, what is being offered. Uh, we do offer live classes in the spring and fall, but in the rest of the year, uh, we have archived classes, and you know they're still there during spring and fall as well. Right. But we have nearly five or six years of archived classes that are available. Uh, We are uh, adding, obviously, three classes every semester to that. Hopefully within the next three years or so, we will have covered every book of the Bible and a lot of other subjects in addition. And some of the classes will have had numerous ones teach the same book. For instance, we already have two different studies of John On the website, Uh, you can also take the class for a certificate. Uh, That is not a uh, an alternative to coming to the school physically. Mm -hmm. That's the main goal. Is that if you're interested in preaching, you will come to the school. But anybody that wants to take those classes and have some responsibility as far as assignments, uh, once he has completed the assignments and tests and whatnot for 18 of the classes then he has earned a certificate. But we also have what's called the Advanced Diploma. That's for alumni of the Memphis School of Preaching or a similar school of preaching or a four-year school, but having a specific um, degree that focuses on some aspect of the Bible or ministry, and that's at our discretion.
0: Yeah, and I think one of the things about the MOST program that people are unaware of is the fact that not everybody, when they leave the school here, can come back to campus and be here, and the majority of our attendees are online, and that is a wonderful blessing. But it, there's also some classes that the most program can give a more highlighted approach to, than, uh, or a more in-depth approach than a highlighted approach. For example, uh, during the two-year program, In the summer, you get logic in the Bible for two weeks. Now, that, of course, is the equivalent of having it for a whole quarter, Uh, but at the same time, uh, you have to kind of go quickly in that class. You can't cover necessarily every single aspect of logic and the Bible, and just recently you will had a logic and debate class that I heard a lot of people talking about, uh, which is a good thing to have because now anybody who has gone through, maybe they They came through in the fall, missed the summer class of logic in the Bible, and did not have the blessing of getting that instruction. Well, now they've gotten the opportunity to at least go through a class on logic and debate. And that's a needed topic in our current day and age. And just like you said, though, having two different perspectives on the book of John is better than people probably realize because if you attended one of those classes and you go for the other, that instructor might have caught something that the one before didn't see, or maybe his approach to the text was something where you click with it a little bit better, and you get better notes, and you have an opportunity to continue to add to your study, and that's what the MOST program is all about, ongoing spiritual training, and so if you are a graduate of the Memphis School of Preaching and somehow you have not heard about this, uh, I'm wondering how that's possible if you're listening to this right now and you haven't heard about the MOST program, but if that has happened and you're interested in enrollment, definitely would need to check that out soon. And if you're an individual that maybe, we talked about it last week, you, you're you interested in coming to the school, uh, but perhaps you've got a couple years to retirement and you want to make sure to go ahead and get retirement and do all that. All of that is understandable. I would recommend that while you're waiting to come, go ahead and do some most classes and get your feet wet to the point of possibility to where when you come here to start the two-year program, you're kind of already involved in learning and getting used to that intense type of study. Because the most program, there are coursework assignments, there are things. It's not the two-year program, but it is a good substitute if you're trying to get to retirement to then come to the two-year program. And so I uh, definitely want you to take advantage of that if you can. And I'm thankful that Brother Dan works in close proximity to that. Uh, he recently wrote something for us, a little pamphlet uh, of, that we could take when we advertise to places. And so uh, we would not be where we are in that work if it hadn't been for a lot of the effort that he has put into it. And so I'm thankful to you for that.
1: Sir, I, I might add two things. Uh, number one, one of the instructors in the MOST program was the late, uh, the late Don Walker. Right. And he taught one of those John classes. Just excellent material. He also taught Messiahship of Jesus, which may have been his best course. I've just heard people rave regarding that. Both of those are available in the Most Program. Uh, Also, we have had many—well, not many—we've had several students who went through the Most Program and then came to the School of Preaching. Yeah, Uh, I have uh, at least three in mind. One, uh, a fourth is. Uh was supposed to have come this past uh, quarter, from what I understood. But anyway, uh, he probably will be here before too long.
0: Yeah, we're looking forward to that, and hopefully more and more people will learn about the Bible. That's the whole goal. That's what Memphis is all about. We want people to know more about the Word, to go out and preach the Word. And so uh, today we're talking about, on Season 4, Episode 9, far better than focusing on what others have. And so I have three questions uh, Brother Dan, let's start with the first one here. Why does our world seem to be consumed with covetousness?
1: Well, we live in a materialistic age. Um, we watch our televisions, our televisions are about the or our commercials are about the gadgets that we need, or uh the different things that can provide us some temporal pleasure and it may not be a sinful thing, you know, but but it's something. Uh, in and of itself, but it's something that uh, we need so that our lives can be more fulfilled. The more Mm -hmm. toys that we have. I saw a bumper sticker once that said, He who dies with the most toys wins, Uh, which that's uh, obviously false. And we've often heard the expression, you don't see hearse carrying around U-Hauls. I actually have seen a picture of a hearse pulling a U-Haul, probably some smart aleck. Rented a uh, U-Haul and borrowed a Hearst uh, just for the picture. But you can't take it with you. Right. But our society is so much about today, about having things the way that you want them. You know, the burger commercial years ago, have it your way. Right. That all has to do with materialism. It all has to do with instant gratification. And there's no concern with the distant future and certainly with the spiritual in our secular society,
0: yeah, I think a lot in this topic in this realm about Solomon, uh, in Ecclesiastes. You know, the the mindset of if I could just get this next thing, I'll be happy. And he had the most toys. You know, there was nothing. The Bible says that he kept back. I mean, I've I've sometimes been on vacation with the family, and I'll tell Megan, and we'll tell Adam or whatever. You know, we're going to have some fun this week, and we've been good. We've saved. We've been blessed. And so uh, I'll let you know when we're getting too close for comfort, and we'll just kind of let loose just a little bit, Uh, but we can't do that every day, and if we do that every day, we we kind of come into that mindset of, I'll be happy when I have this next thing. I'll be happy when I have just this next thing, and our world is so consumed by that uh, because we see so much about what other people have, and I I think it's a a hilarious proposition to look at different things. as we consider covetousness, that, I, that <laughs> illustration you point out, you never see a hearse pulling a U haul. Uh, I was in Cape Town and I said that illustration, just slip of the tongue, and nobody knew what I was talking about <laughs> <laughs> because they don't have U hauls over in Cape Town. And uh, there's such a foreign idea to them, and people were coming up to me after that. What, what does that mean? And I had to explain it to them. But I think that's how we should all be. We should have a a foreign mindset going toward this individual sin of covetousness because I do believe it's a sin purely on the individual. This individual wants more. They're going to covet after something that someone else has, and we can't take it with us. I'm reminded of another story that I heard my dad tell for years where he preached a funeral for an individual, and the strangest thing he'd ever seen. People came up that were family, and they took out two crisp $1 bills and they put them inside their loved one's sock. Then, then they would move on. And dad thought, I've never seen anything like this before. I wonder what that's about. And so he asked one of the family members that he knew well, and he said, "What well, what's up with the, the $2 bills, you know, going into uh, his sock? Well, our loved one, every time he was in the hospital and we would come and visit him, he would say, "Check my sock. Make sure I got two dollars in there in case I get discharged for a cup of coffee and a newspaper." <laughs> and so, as a way to honor that request, a- each family member went and got two dollar bills and put those two dollars in his sock. And Dad said, "You know the the point that drove home with me was they closed the casket, and somewhere to this day, you know, there's a man provided his grave has not been robbed, uh, <laughs> where." Inside his sock, there are several dollar bills that have been granted to him by his family, and nobody will ever get to spend them. Uh, the next time that his body is utilized, he'll be coming out of that casket, and he won't be saying, oh, i got to make sure i got those dollars with me so I can get up to heaven and get to, you know, that's not going to happen. He is going to leave everything behind. And uh, before we move on to this other one, this this is just, there's so many illustrations that come to mind. Another one I heard growing up was wealthy man died, two people standing over the casket. How much you reckon he left behind? And the other man wisely said, all of it. Yep. He doesn't have a single penny of it to his name now. And I can spend my whole life being consumed in the rat race, if you will, and I can be very successful and I can die and have nothing. And so uh, being consumed with coveting after what someone else has is a very dangerous proposition, and being consumed with needing just a little bit, few more dollars, just a few more, you know, overtime shifts, so that I can then be happy and I'll have this, I'll have that. That's a dangerous proposition. Um, you have anything else you want to add to that? Before we move on,
1: well, the uh, latter thing you said there, uh, Juvenal said regarding Alexander the Great that Alexander the Great, you know, wanted the world, but he ended up being contained in a brick-walled coffin in Babylon. Uh, he couldn't carry the world with him. Mm.
0: And he spent all of his time <clears throat> trying to uh, obtain that. And even if he had obtained it and gotten it, it still would have been nothing. Right. What does the Bible say about what others have and both their attitude and our attitude toward it?
1: Well, uh, I go in mine first of all, to Proverbs 23, 17. <clears throat> Let not thine heart envy sinners but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. Uh, we sing, tempted and tried, we're often made to wonder why it should be thus all the day long. Uh, and that song talks about others who are prospering even though they're living in sin. Mm. Uh, we see millionaires' you know, mansions. Yeah. Uh, a, a preacher of the gospel isn't going to live in that millionaires' mansion. And most Christians, unless they just have very lucrative uh, jobs likewise, aren't, aren't going to have that type of mansion. Uh, we see a, a person driving around in a brand new corvette, and most Christians probably aren't driving around in brand new corvettes right and not that there's anything wrong with that, uh, but w- when we look and we see those who are overt sinners apparently blessed in that way, and that's that's sort of our thought is. That he must be pretty blessed. Mm-hmm. In fact, you might ask him, why do you have this? Oh, I'm blessed. But I don't remember Scripture New Testament-wise saying that the blessings of God would be of a physical nature. Mm. Now, that was true during the Old Testament. Yeah, We can think about uh, Abraham's being blessed. We can think about Job's being blessed. Years ago, uh, Dad, in, in the classes that he would teach, we talk about the uh, old testament god blessed with physical blessings because the spiritual blessings were still a shadow but by the new testament the spiritual blessings had come to the forefront and the physical blessings became this this shadow and took the back seat when we look at others and we see what they have we have two options we can envy them and wish that we had what they had or what they have. Or we can look at them and say, good for him. You know, that, that's great. He he has a lot of money. Uh, he can afford that. Maybe he can't afford it, but but he has it. Good for him. You know, if I can have some things, that's, that's great. But what's more important is I have God. Right. Uh, I'm... I'm concerned about spiritual matters. In Colossians 3, 5, Paul wrote, Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness. But then Paul adds, which is idolatry. Mm. Uh, that person who's driving around in that car or that person who uh, has that house or you know, some other physical good That may be his God. Right. For the Christian, his God is not some physical possession, and so he's not going to be coveting it. He's not going to be envying the sinners. So those are the two options. I can envy them, or I can recognize that's not my God.
0: Yeah. You know, um, there's a term, we talk about envy, and I know envy is not the exact same as covetousness, but envy leads to covetousness and starts with me being envious of someone that has something. And eventually it turns into a, I want what they have. And I I can't stop thinking about wanting what they have. There's a term though that, uh, it's it's kind of funny, when I typed it in for the dictionary, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the term compersion. Uh, it's It's a fairly new on-the-block word. Uh, It's not necessarily been around forever, but when you type in compersion definition, it is a wholehearted participation in the happiness of others. It is the sympathetic joy we feel for somebody else, even when their positive experience does not involve or benefit us directly. Thus, compersion can be thought of as the opposite of jealousy and possessiveness. Now, on that same Google page, when I typed in "compersion" definition, I got, "Is compersion a real word?" <laughs> because you know it's it's been made up. You know we we've, we've got a new word to talk about this. But I like the mindset that that word is trying to convey. Instead of focusing on, you have something that I want. I'm not happy unless I have it. I should get to a point where it's, brother. I'm so happy for you. I'm thankful that, you know, you are blessed financially to be able to help, you know, spread the kingdom. I'm, I'm thankful that you're blessed, you know, to be able to go and travel all these places or to do this or that, or, you know, uh, you're in a good position. And I'm thankful that that's the case for you. Too often, that's not where we go. Too often, it's, why do he give it to, why, why does Dan have it? Well, maybe that's exactly why Dan has it and you don't, because you're spending all your time being jealous about everybody else. And if I could learn to be content and be happy for people who have more than I have, so long as it doesn't turn into this type of competition, then that's where we really should fall. That's where we should find ourselves kind of making our camp, is saying, here's a man. He has more than I have. That's okay. Here's a woman. She has more than I have. That's okay. Uh, Because I don't know if you've seen this picture or not, and I wish we could show it on the podcast. We can't. But uh, there's a picture of an individual who is on a bike. And he looks over at this guy, and he's in this beat-up car. And that individual says, boy, I wish I had a car. And it shows that guy in the beat-up car, and he's looking. There's this nice Corvette like you were talking about. Boy, I wish I had, you know, a car like that. And there's a man in the Porsche, and he's looking at something else. Boy, I wish I had that. And it finally pans to somebody <laughs> else. And if, I'm, if I'm remembering the meme correctly in the picture, it goes finally to a man who is sitting up in the top room looking at all of this. And he said, boy, I wish I could walk. Yeah. You know. And for each person, what they wanted was different. And I think that last person is the only person that you could really look at other than the, maybe the person on the bike who would say, boy, I wish I could afford a car. That'd be a lot easier to drive around. The man in the beat up car looking at the Porsche and said, boy, I wish I had that car. You could argue he's not content with what he has. You know, the Lord gave him a vehicle as far as, you know, you, you have something that not many people get to have. You have something the guy on the bike doesn't have. Use it. Don't abuse it. Use it. And don't look back and then say, I'm not happy with what I've been able to get. You know, every good and perfect gift does come from above. When we get financial gain, we have to first utilize that for the work of the Lord. Everything else that I have has to come involved with that work. Uh, I've started telling people, giving goes beyond just the plate on Sunday. God expects for you and me to give of our means every first day of the week. That's the principle Paul taught us in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. but. In Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, we're given another picture of financial help that the church gave to the members that needed help. And the Bible tells us specifically that people sold their possessions, they sold what they could, and gave to the members of the church as they had a need. That is the idea that we're trying to convey in the Lord's church here. There was no special collection being taken up at that time. They didn't have a church treasury from which to draw on all of the things that they could take, so they sold land. They sold maybe livestock. Maybe there was clothing they could sell, and they took the financial gain from that and said, Brother Dan, I heard your roof was leaking. You take this money, and you go get that fixed. I heard that you needed such and such. You take this money, and you go get that fixed. There was no, well, he doesn't have what I have, and I'm going to hoard it. We have to get to a point where we're willing to help the other person out. And what others have, and our attitude toward it needs to be, it's great that they've got it, and the people who have it need to say, now how can I use it? Now how can I make it go back into the fold uh, to produce more talents, if you will? How can I get more money to help the, the kingdom work? you have anything else you want to add to that before we move?
1: Uh, well, we have the... Uh... Principle, rejoice with them that do rejoice, right. weep with them that do weep. I think that goes along with your compersion. Uh, we uh, rejoice when others are able to uh, able to prosper and so forth. Uh, it doesn't say uh, envy when mm-hmm. uh, others rejoice.
0: Now, here's the last question. Can we indeed truly be content with what we have? Yes. See you all next week. Uh, no. <laughs>
1: I was waiting for one of those. As
0: soon as I looked at the questions, I thought, great, we get to do it again. Yes. Everybody at home right now is thinking, I can't wait till Brother Dan is not on the. But we do it with everybody. If anybody comes in, <laughs> they almost always say that. So, uh, but yeah, how can we be content, truly be content with what we have? Because it's easy to say it. It's easy to, you know, it's kind of like saying, you know, I'm going to serve the Lord. You know, Peter says, Lord, Lord, I'll, I'll go with you wherever you're going. And Jesus essentially says, this is the MJC version, Jesus essentially says, it's easy to say that. It's harder to do it. It's easy to say you're going to be content. But now how do we do it?
1: Well, if, again, if we recognize that God is our God and our efforts ought to be toward pleasing Him, toward uh, increasing in Him, then that godliness, when we have that, that's going to help the contentment. Uh, Paul told Timothy, Godliness with contentment is great gain. They did that, uh, not necessarily saying what the contentment was, but I think showing how the contentment comes to be. Because verse 7, he said, For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain that we can carry nothing out. Right. Right. If we can appreciate that, Then anything that we have, we're we're going to feel uh, a a sense of gratitude for non sense of entitlement. You know, if we we think that uh, everything that we have, we have because we deserve it, and I hate the term deserve, right? But we think, well, we deserve that and so forth, and that's going to build a sense of entitlement. Uh, I'll hear somebody say, whenever something good happens to someone else, or, you know, maybe. Finds a hundred dollars. Well, you deserve it. Well, actually, what we deserve is death, right. <laughs> because right. uh, the wages of sin is death, and you know, without the gift of Christ, uh, we we deserve death. Right. So I, I really think we completely misuse the word "deserve." We need to appreciate that we get better than we deserve, mm-hmm. and that's not because of some physical blessing. That's because of the spiritual blessing. Uh, Ephesians one three.
0: Yeah. Dave Ramsey always says, I'm better than I deserve. I'm better than I deserve. Uh, And in reality, that's where our contentment really has to lie. I deserve death. I deserve to be poor. I deserve to be all these horrible things. But God redeemed me. And living the Christian life, though it is not a path to Easiness has blessed me. And I have been able to look at the life that I've lived and see just how much serving God can really help somebody. Uh, Reminds me of the individual uh, in the Psalms. I'm young, now I'm old, but I've never seen people begging for bread and the righteous forsake. I've never seen that. And it's the truth. You know, I'll say this as we close and I'll throw it back to you if you've got anything else after I've given this last little story. When I decided I was going to ask Megan to marry me, I had to, I had to buy a ring. And so for several months, I ate ramen noodles every day for lunch. And after I bought that ring and got everything paid and whatnot, I didn't want to look at ramen noodles for the rest of my life. <laughs> but I was willing to eat that way because it saved a ton of money for me to be able to put toward an engagement and wedding ring. Delayed gratification for something that I was looking toward. I still ate, though. Wasn't eating like I would like to have eaten. Wasn't going to the places uh, that I would like to go. But I was still eating. I was still able to eat. And when I look back at my life and all of the times that I've been struggling financially, maybe, a lot of times that's because of my own doing, my own foolish mistakes. But even when I've struggled financially, I haven't missed a meal, and I'm blessed whether I see it or not because I have clothes on my back, shoes on my feet, a place to live, food that I can purchase, and no, I may never, I may never have what others have, but I have what so many don't, and so do you, and that's Jesus. And if I live my whole life and he's the only thing I've got that's different and sets me apart from everyone else, I have lived a life worth living then. And it doesn't matter what's in my bank account when I die because I'm not taking it anyway. And so being consumed with what others have is just a very dangerous and faulty proposition. Do you have anything else you want to add before we close? Uh, just
1: minding the things that are above, yes. laying our treasure above.
0: Well, Brother Dan, thank you for being back on the podcast this week. And we'll conclude our time together next week with what others do. And we will give Brother Dan next week a little bit of time to talk about the library and some of the new additions that we have made to that uh, Fried Hardeman, the Hardeman, N.B. Hardeman Library here. Uh, of course, you know Fried Hardeman. This is named after Hardeman, N.B. Hardeman Library. And so he'll talk a little bit about what's going on in that next week. But until then, let's please God now so our eternity